0: Hello, I'm Andy Ivey. This is Cycling Life, the Bigfoot Cycle Club podcast. This time...
1: That is purple, vivid green, vivid blue, vivid orange and pink.
0: No, not a new kit design. Keep listening to find out what is being described at the hill climb competition. Also in this edition, England Rugby World Cup winner Martin Johnson on his cycling obsession...
2: I thought, you know, i fancy a bit of that when I retired. did a little bit when I was still playing, but um, decided I want a road bike and I've just been doing it for the last... 12 years really cycling boom
3: or bubble why 2017 could be an expensive year something that people will absolutely see very very soon is they'll go into their bike shop they'll go online wherever they buy their bikes and they'll go how much because prices have had to be raised
0: to those in the know it's called qhc slash one it's the official Cycling Time Trials code for Xdown, the hill near Rutum, which is the challenge for riders in the Bigfoot CC hill climb competition. It's 1,150 metres from the bottom to the top, with 90 metres of climbing hitting 13% at its steepest. Could anyone beat the course record of 2 minutes 56.1 seconds set last year by James Loudon? He was back this year, along with the elite hill climbers from Bigfoot Cycle Club and across the southeast, as well as those having a go for their own personal challenge. Among them, Howard Binnish. As we'll hear now from a windy X down an appeal for club members to provide refreshments sparked something of a great Bigfoot bake-off. Howard began by speaking to one of the organisers, Tim Luskin. We seem to
4: have quite a good atmosphere here. We've got plenty of people eating cake. The spread of cake is absolutely incredible. There's uh, hazelnut cake, there's healthy flapjacks, Rainbow Psycho Cake, which my wife made.
3: Emma, you don't
4: seem to be riding today. Why is that?
3: Why? Because yeah. I'm here in assisting capacity with the cakes.
1: Okay, and what cakes have we got? Oh man, we've got low cakes. We've got Victoria Sponge, we've got Apple Cake, oh, one of my specialties, Chocolate Guinness Cake. There we go. What else have we got? Flat- oh, two sorts of flapjacks. Healthy flapjacks and unhealthy flapjacks. Some kind of weirdy, rainbow, psychedelic that thing. is purple, vivid green, vivid blue, vivid orange and pink. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty hard. And, and? And banana and raisin bread. Okay, and what's your favourite? My favourite is got to be the Victoria sponge. Okay, well maybe you we can save me a good. slice for when I finish. The Victoria sponge is very yes, good. Yeah, I think mm. I'll deserve it at the end. Okay, thanks yes. <laughs> Barbara, welcome. From which cycling club are you from? St. Maidstone. So you come all the way from Maidstone for this? All
4: the way from East Peckham.
1: Did you ride out? Yes. Yeah. Any, any sort of target times? Because you and I are in the same age group for this, so we're in the 40 plus group.
3: I'm only for less than five minutes.
1: Martin, is this your first time at hill climb? It is the first Have you thought about your strategy for the hill? Have you looked at it yet? Yes, don't die.
4: <laughs> target time? Um, 5 minutes 20 5 minutes 30 between that I'd just like to say, obviously, thank you to all the helpers that have uh, put their names down to help out today. So uh, we've got lots of marshals at the top and the bottom. Uh, obviously, we've got Stuart Cleverley, who always is uh, good to name check, who's uh, doing the uh, the holding and the pushing off at the start, although I'm told he's not actually allowed to push. Obviously, Stuart, uh, with his defibrillator in his shoulder, uh, is one of the reasons why we do a lot of these events these days, to uh, to raise some money to purchase defibrillator for Hayes, which I believe we've achieved that amount at the moment. Well, the main thing, Tim, is are you riding today? I am riding today. I'm going off at 10.16, so I've got to do a quick uh, Superman change in the back of my van at about 10 o'clock, and then cane it down the bottom of the hill, and then ride up very slowly. Okay, so you're going so, off
1: eight minutes after me. Yes. Have you got any hints for me? Any tips, uh, any you know, well, I'm pro probably, tips?
4: I'm probably going to be in first gear all the way from the bottom. Um, so, but apparently you're supposed to stay in the sa- in the saddle for as long as possible. Um, so that's the that's my thing. I'm just going to try and grind it out and spin it up, and then maybe at the end it does flatten off towards the end of the uh, towards the end of the section here I'm looking at. So uh, maybe I can get a bit of a sprint on for the last uh, 100 metres and uh, try and get a few seconds off my time. Good luck, today. lovely. Thank you, Harry. Thanks.
1: There are some people here who look seriously good. Yeah, yeah sure. they really are. So, Luke, is this your first hill climb? It is. And your target time, you said, was just under four minutes. Just under four minutes. <laughs> Taking that my time last year was five minutes twenty. So, <laughs> and but you are going off as the last of the Beef Riders. And hang up, we have got the first of the finishers coming across. He is officially in the lead. And that is our new leader. Okay, how was it? How do you feel
4: now? Well, I really want to say, you is... can't say in your phone. Yes. I'm absolutely in crack. Well done,
1: well done. You are officially in the lead. How did it feel?
3: Uh, did, easier than training.
1: Yeah, and did the plan work? Four
3: forty-two.
1: You should be very, very no, happy I'm with happy that, that yeah. and you now are officially in the lead. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are the leading woman, leading veteran no, at the moment. No, they have passed me, so he must be in the lead. Oh, did he? He yes. didn't pass you. Oh well, no. no. Well, he—he he, he, honestly, when you came across oh, well. that line, you looked in better condition than he did. <laughs> okay, thanks very Thank much. You. <laughs> Gareth, talk to me. Gareth, just say something. I didn't die. <laughs> I didn't die. It's a triumph. Watch
4: out behind
1: you. Okay, Gareth, it's now four minutes recovery. How was it? What was the time, and what are your tips for me? Don't know the time. Take it easy, don't go too early. Great support. Have fun, Howard. <laughs> I don't, don't worry if I've beaten you. It's all fine. Five, four, three, two, one. Go! Five minutes. There's thing. passed by two riders. <laughs> I just want to vomit.
4: <sighs> and that's hill climbing for you.
1: Pete, we we were both slower than last year, me by two seconds, and how much slower were you than last year? Eight, I think. Eight seconds, so marginal gains, you did worse than I did, really. Yeah, I did. Apart from you did actually pass me... (laughs) on the hill and you started off two minutes behind me. And I I, I did actually think you were going to stop and give me a push at one point. I was disappointed you kept going on that. I don't think I had anything
2: left to give you one.
1: (laughs) It's
2: hard enough to push myself over the line.
1: Anyway, so next year we've got something both to aim for next year. Yeah, I want to be faster than 2.50 next year. I'm going to try to be faster than five minutes and 22 seconds (laughs) next
4: year. That was very difficult. I felt like I was going to be sick halfway up the hill and then I saw lots of chalk on the road with Go Tim written on it so I pushed harder towards the end so hopefully I made up a few seconds but uh, climbing up hills is clearly not my thing well I think
1: the thing is really now you've got a target for next year that's the main thing indeed
4: yeah I didn't do last year so uh, this is my uh, this is my baseline now for, right. few, for future years. So.
1: This, is, this is what your next year's target is. Indeed. Well, it's did anyone pass you? Yes. That's oh, right. Two
4: people passed me. So. Okay, okay. Yeah. Just one. But he looks a lot younger than me. Th- they all look they younger. All look and thinner. Thinner and younger. Thinner and younger. And less bits on their bikes yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: do you think we should have taken the panniers and the mudguards off?
4: Maybe. Yeah. Going with the, with the winter bike with the mudguards maybe wasn't the option, but maybe next year mountain bikes indeed yeah mountain bikes more gears okay now go get some Lovely, cake. thank yes. you <laughs> For this first place goes to James Hayward and he's also got the course record as well oh, <clears two> throat> throat> Receives £100 of yes. well,
1: I've trained quite a, quite a lot this year and um, uh, I guess that's a good bit of hard work paying off so um, pretty chuffed with that yeah thanks. So <laughs> you don't think more cake will help me? Well it's afterwards definitely I'm, I'm trying to get to the cake store if you could no I'm joking. <laughs> yes. uh, no um, have more cake enjoy your riding I think I couldn't tell you any more. than that. So probably, thank you really, like... go out and enjoy the ride. anyway look thanks very much yeah and congratulations. Very much, thank you. Bye. <laughs>
0: Congratulations to James Hayward who won the hill climb with a new record time and thanks to everyone who took part and supported the event and of course to Sandra and Tim for their superb organisation. You can see full results and photos from the day on bigfootcc.co.uk. As Tim mentioned, we have now reached the target in the Big Heart Appeal so the club will shortly be buying a defibrillator to be placed at Hayes Village Hall. More details on that soon but you can still hear Stewart's remarkable story about surviving a cardiac arrest in episode 6 of the podcast by going to bigfootcc.co.uk slash podcast or find it on iTunes by searching for Cycling Life. What do you do after captaining your country to victory in the Rugby World Cup? Take up cycling, of course. Like his former England colleague Lawrence Delalio, Martin Johnson is now keen to get out on two wheels whenever he can. And at the cycle show in Birmingham, he was helping to launch the latest closed roads sportive, Velo Birmingham, a 100 mile ride next September.
2: Well, it's a whole weekend of cycling in Birmingham, um, 27th of September next year. Uh, a, a sort of a cycle around Birmingham on, on the Saturday uh, at the city centre free cycle traffic free and then a hundred mile sportif on the on the Sunday which um, closed road sportif which is there's not many of and you know it should be a fantastic event and by the sounds of it it's already got um, 30,000 people pre-registered to to potentially sign up so it should be great and I think it's a great showcase for the Midlands you know I think often underestimated area of the country in terms of lots of things but certainly a great place to ride your bike
0: an area that you know well
2: yeah, yeah, I'm a very proud Midlander. I was born in the West Midlands, lived most of my life in the East Midlands, but um, it's a fantastic place to to be and to and to ride your bike. So uh, it's nice that we've done it, you know, because obviously London's a big event and and you know it's a capital, and but it's a big big city up here as well, and lots of people, and uh, but some great countryside too, and um, decent route, you know, it's not not flat, yeah. it's. Uh, yeah, when, when I'm down in London, people say, oh, Leicestershire's flat. You go, no, it's not flat. No, London's a pretty flat course. This, this is a pretty challenging course, so it uh, should be a good one. Do you, do you have a favourite hill that you, that you go up? A favourite hill? <laughs> well, it it's quite, quite two words. Um, no, I'm lucky. You know, where, where we are, we go over to Rutland. It's quite, it's quite hilly out there. There's a, there's a climb up into, a, into Uppingham, the little town of Uppingham, that's a, a great training climb, but all around there, that area is, is um, you know, I like to keep it quiet. Too many people get out there, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's a, that's a good area to, to train for, for hills. Um, of course, we, have, we haven't got mountains, you know, they're, they're mile long is, a, is the longest thing you've got there, but they're pretty steep at times, so decent riding. And uh, my favorite, really, I think, going up for 20K up a mountains, yeah, it's a challenge, and you know, you need to do it now and then, but not every day. Yeah,
0: the well, so, Pyrenees. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a good place to ride. How did your interest in cycling start? Well, I, I did have an interest when I was very young. I was a young lad with and a mate who was into it, and his dad was into it. But it was so less accessible, you know, to watch things and to learn about things then with what you had available to you nowadays. You can you can, you can watch whatever you want to watch really, and or watch the history of it. So, post riding, I, I I got with a friend who who was riding, uh, po- sorry, post playing. He was riding his bike and uh, I thought you know I fancy a bit of that when I retire and um so I always knew I was gonna had the bike ready to go when I retired and did a little bit when I was still playing but um decided I want a road bike and uh and I've just been doing it for the last 12 years really because I mean you're at two meters it's it's um, need a big bike you yeah, need a big bike
0: and it's hard harder to get up the hills I guess
2: well it's not the height it's the weight isn't it yeah um yeah, it, it is. We all have our challenges. Um, it it certainly is. Uh, but yeah, it's it is what it is. I ride, you know, I ride with some guys who are ten stone. And they invariably beat me up the hill. But you beat um, you hill. yeah, uh, I just enjoy it. I mean, you can, and I've actually enjoyed riding a little bit faster with the group that I ride with now, and being a little bit more competitive amongst ourselves. And you can do what you like. You know, you can go out and ride as fast or slow as you as you want to go. and 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 take it for what it is and and even within the course of a single ride you can do that you can sit up and chat i mean most of the time the bike you you, you know you can be talking while still working or you can you know do a little bit full on and uh leave your lungs behind but i i I do enjoy it you know i i think it's a great way of getting out i mean i live rurally fortunate in that you know riding wise you can get out and be on some quite quiet roads but some of these roads i would never been on to i rode the bike you don't see them in the car because you you go your normal routes and, and it's a great way of seeing where you live and uh and you know and, being and out and about and
0: having caught the bug are you finding that most of your disposable income goes <laughs> on bike related matters
2: <laughs> most all uh any there isn't disposable income it's all bike yeah you can get look you don't have to get caught up in that I and mean, we we're at the bike show here and there's there's all the shiny bits and bobs there and there's some of it Will cost you a bit of money, but honestly, I get ridden past by guys on, you know, bikes that cost a few hundred pounds because they're fitter than me, and I overtake guys on bikes who have cost ten thousand pounds because they're not. Uh, so you don't have to get caught up in all that. Um, there's some good bikes out there, good value. I mean, for me, it's having a bike that's going to, going to hold up because I'm quite heavy and you know cyclists aren't. So. What are, you, what are you riding at the moment? I ride a Specialized, um, a Specialized Roubaix, it's, which is an endurance bike. And you, people often ask me, oh, John, I'm getting into it, what bike do I need? And that can be a very long or a very short conversation. But there's thousands of choices out there, so if you're going to buy one, research it. Don't get caught up with the, the money thing, there's, there's good value out there, um, and, and you, can, you can get a, bike, a decent bike. Can I
0: ask, when you were playing rugby, what was your perception of cycling, do you have much interest or knowledge of it?
2: Yeah, I did. You know, I think I didn't realise how tough it was. It is a brutally tough sport, as a lot of these things are. And it, it you know, the guys out there racing, doing what they do—that that's a long day followed by another long day of competing, uh, and it's hard. You know, <laughs> mentally, physically, very, very tough. Um, I saw Roubaix this year, and I saw them come off on the cobbles, and. Uh, that you know I knew how tough it was but that took it to a new level so you know but they're, they're, they're the extreme they're the top end you don't have to ride like that you don't have to hurt yourself if you don't want to uh, or go to those levels so like lots of sports and cycling is great in that manner that you can do what you want with it um, off-road on-road bit of both all in one day um, and cruise around and look at the sights or bury yourself up to you
0: and have you been able to use any of the lessons that you learned from rugby in terms of
2: fitness (laughs) very different or or competitiveness yeah very different in terms of fitness but it it, it ultimately it's about the same thing if you want to be any good you've got to work hard and train hard and dig in and it's tough very mental you know a lot of time to think on a bike and if uh, if you think you feel great you do if you think you feel terrible you do and ultimately go grit your teeth and and, and crack on, but that's if you want it. Otherwise, just sit back and relax, and spin your legs, and enjoy life.
0: Martin Johnson speaking to Cycling Life. The Sportive is part of Birmingham's plan to get more people on their bikes to make the city healthier, greener, and far less congested. So, with more people commuting by bike, certainly in London, events like Ride London hugely oversubscribed, and even Bigfoot Go Ride running a waiting list. The cycling industry is enjoying boom times, right? Wrong, says this man.
3: I'm Colton Reid. I'm the executive editor of Bike Biz.
0: Now, Carlton, we are here at the NEC. It's the biggest bike show uh, of the year. About twenty-five thousand people are expected over the next three days. You've been to one or two of these. Is it as
3: big as uh, previous years? This is getting bigger, actually. I mean, this started. This the, the owners of this show started in Islington, in the Business Design Centre, which was a beautiful old building and it was a fantastic... The first few years of the, the show were founded by a guy called Bob Chicken. He was the guy who told them to, to get into the, the, the business of putting on bike shows and it was the, uh, the Business Design Centre in Islington where they, they put it in which was the old Agricultural Hall which is wonderful, a fantastic show but it couldn't expand from there. So within about two, three years they moved to the NEC and it's been getting bigger and better every year since then so this I would say is actually surprisingly big you, you, you kind of maybe in previous years when certainly when it was a, a smaller show then it, it didn't take that long to walk around and see everything now it's, it takes a long time to get around these things
0: we are basking in the glow of the Olympics and the Paralympics bags full of medals is that going to be translated do you think in the next few months in people buying bikes and getting into cycling
3: Mm, the easy answer to that and the actual genuine answer is no in that if you do see any fill up in sales any bump then it will be very short term you've always got to look at this this industry is absolutely dependent on the big golden orb in the sky and that's not just today that's you know that went rally in the 1940s rally in the 1960s rally in the 1980s the MDs of those companies would have always said, and you look at the minutes at these companies, it's always weather, weather, weather. So Olympics, the, 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 kind of the, the assumption from uh, members of the public and perhaps even the, the non-endemic press, so the mainstream press, would be, wow, you must be doing so well because of the Olympics, and it never actually has a massive effect. But you get, for instance, a very, very warm Easter weekend, the kickoff to Easter, and you've pretty much got the rest of the year sorted. So bike retailers and bike manufacturers are very much allied to ice cream manufacturers. You can always track the two industries because you'll sell more ice creams, obviously, when the weather's nice. Ditto for bikes. And
0: Halfords, certainly in their most recent results, were suggesting that there was a bit of an effect from the Olympics because they'd had some brands with uh, Wiggins and, and Laura Trott, but also pointed to a pretty good July and August. So that's, that's this year. Uh, coming down the track, we've got Brexit in a couple mm-hmm. of years' time. Uh, n- pretty much every bike in this country, with a few exceptions, is made abroad. Mm. All the components come from overseas. Are we going to see prices going up?
3: Raleigh was the first company to put their prices up. Uh, and, and they are basically getting ahead of the trend there because everybody's putting their prices up. So, you know, we now know that the mainstream media is telling us that uh, the market hasn't imploded, uh, the economy hasn't imploded, hasn't tanked. I would say that's a yet because we haven't actually left the, the EU. So all of these things have still to come. But something that people will absolutely see very, very soon is they'll go into their bike shop, they'll go online, wherever they buy their bikes, and they'll go, how much? Because prices have had to be raised across the board. So I don't think there's any brands who, there's a couple who may be struggling, who are not going to put their prices up. But virtually everybody else has already, I know from talking to manufacturers and suppliers and retailers here, everybody's put their prices up already. And they've had to. Is there,
0: is there a certain section of the market though that's pretty immune to, to price? I'm talking about the mammals, the, the guys that have uh, you know, got a good bonus and they are mm-hmm. not afraid of spending five grand on a bike.
3: That that market has pretty much disappeared. It's that we are no longer in that scenario, so that side of the market is just as much pressured, if not more, than the other sides of the market. So, the mammal thing. In, a, in public perception, was this amazing boom? This is middle-aged men in lycra. Middle-aged men in, in lycra, too. Uh, uh, so the perception was that this was a boom. It wasn't a bigger boom as you actually think. So I'm actually writing a book at the moment called Bike Boom, and people assume, oh, you're talking about, you know, this massive market expansion. And, uh, and actually, what the bike boom is about is how there wasn't a bike boom. There hasn't been a bike boom since 1971 to 74 when there was a genuine doubling of of market share we have not seen a doubling of of the market uh, for a long long time so we just haven't actually been in a, a boom we've been in a bubble not a boom
0: just thinking about 71 74 was that the oil crisis that drove people to onto their bikes and out of their cars
3: actually it was before that so uh, oil crisis Uh, When when the the bike boom finished was roughly when the oil crisis happened. So the boom, and it mostly was an American boom, so the American market uh, just went bananas, Uh, virtually the whole of the boom had finished by the time of the the OPEC oil embargo. Uh, Unfortunately, because if it had carried on, and this is where the the premise of the book is, if the US and the UK had carried on um, the trajectory they were going in, in the early 1970s, we could have had an, a Holland situation. We could have had... Uh, there was an enormous amount of talk at the time of putting in bikeways. Uh, you know, the US uh, Secretary of Transportation was a cyclist. Uh, you had people who were seriously talking about putting bikeways in like they did in the Netherlands. And the book is talking about why the Netherlands went one way and why we, during that bike boom, when it, when it collapsed, went another way. So the answer to your question about it, oil embargo, no, that, that, wasn't, okay. that wasn't the case. Anecdotally, there are more events
0: than ever. I look at uh, Sportives, Sportives that's growing, growing mm. massively. Participation, Sky during their period of sponsoring British Cycling, which is coming to end, has increased cycling by arguably another million people. HSB are taking over um, and their ambition is to grow that even further. So on the face of it, there is a lot of demand.
3: Yeah, on the face of it. But when you actually look at just pure, hard statistics, then there isn't a a huge shift. So if you just look at modal share, most uh, places around the country are are dotting around 2%, maybe 4% uh, cycle modal share. Uh, Some places have much more than that, and they are those bubble areas. So London, central London, has more cycling and will get more cycling coming up. But when you look at, you know, from a national point of view, so as the, you know, as the executive editor of a trade bank, I've got to look at the whole industry rather than just these tiny, tiny pockets which are doing well. So when you look at it from a whole industry point of view and you look at the modal shares, then they are actually not hugely different to to ten years ago, despite the sky ride, despite the sportives, despite all this seeming success. From a whole market perspective, we're actually not doing as good as as many uh, outsiders believe. And all you've got to do to to kind of get confirmation on that is to look at the how many private equity houses are involved in in cycling. When there are genuine booms, you know people are know biting your arm off to to get a slice of the business private equity go with with cold hard facts with money there isn't that much private equity cash sloshing around in in the bike industry because there isn't actually as much growth as people assume so what you maybe the bike shops used to do isn't going to be what they're going to be doing in the future so everybody's putting in a coffee shop everybody's putting in bike fit everybody's doing club rides but all of the things that you know you want to 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 your local friendly bike shop to be doing anyway they're having to do this the servicing of bikes they're having to do things that you can't do on the internet so you can't fight against The absolute you can't fight against Amazon if you're a bookseller it's you got to do different things so those bike shops that are doing different things may be bringing in their own brands so those bike shops that are doing quite well at the moment I won't name names but they have their own bike brand and you can't go into those shops and say well hang on Uh, I've seen that in Halfords for 10 quid cheaper because or chain reaction because it's not on chain reaction it's not in Halfords it's their own brand so savvy bike shops are doing some pretty decent things to to stay afloat and and to and and you can thrive in this marketplace don't get me wrong it's not you're not not cut your throat uh, kind of marketplace but it's phenomenally different to when i first came into the industry 30 odd years ago Um, and it's the bike shops that evolve to meet those challenges that are doing well
0: carlton reed of the trade magazine bike biz and that's all for this edition of cycling life you'll find links and photos on the podcast page bigfootcc.co.uk slash podcast and please do give the show a review and a rating on itunes and soundcloud i'm andy ivey thanks for listening